first episode of Let's Get Back to Eden, Megan and Ajay. This is going to be a very real, raw, and transparent journey that I have been traveling, trying to make my way back to Eden. The reality is that getting back to Eden is not going to be easy. It's one that's actually quite challenging. A lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But it's possible. And I'm going to share with you guys how I've begun and where I am now on this journey. So strap on your seatbelts and let's go for this rocky ride. It's going to be a fun time. Let's see. We'll start. 2015. Um, 2015 is when I really, really discover God is when I had my first real encounter with him it's crazy because before leading up to an event where I tried to take my own life I had been discovering the voice of God now I grew up in a religious environment sort of speak um we went to church sometimes um my grandmother when I would stay with my grandmother we went to church often my grandmother believed in getting up and going to church every Sunday but you know she lived her own life and did what she wanted to do and you know gambling drinking and cussing and things like that which we were taught were things that you could not do if you love God you would not cuss you would not drink you did not gamble you did not gossip like these were things that you did not do if you love God so what God looked like to me was given to me through religious eyes. So while my grandmother took us to church on Sundays, you know, this was just something that we did because we believed. Um, my mom, she rarely went to church. Um, when she did start going to church, it was a cousin of mine who introduced her to church or introduced, yeah, and introduced her to different churches. But if my cousin didn't like the church, then... Um, my cousin would say, oh, we can't go here anymore, and then my mom would uproot us. And, and the crazy part is that I remember as a kid, one church that we were going to, I actually enjoyed. They had a youth group there. The youth group was absolutely amazing. I was going on a regular basis. Um, I really enjoyed it, and my cousin did not like the church, so my mom pulled us out. We didn't go anymore. Um, and then my cousin started her own church, which was very very um hell bent it was hell and brimstone you got to be doing this you got to be doing that if you're not doing this if you're not doing that or if you are doing this if you are doing that you're going to hell um my mom started stripping us from being able to watch certain things on television um every music artist was demonic or illuminati you couldn't listen to it the spirits would hop through the television or through the your earphones for music it was it it became very um very toxic yeah that's the best word i can use toxic it became very very toxic and so for a long time um i had this wanting to know but also like this fear, this fear, like I love music, like I can't give up music. I have to give up music in order to love God and to serve God. Um, life is going to look boring. It's going to be just, you know, 
this ugly thing. I don't even know how to express it or to explain it, but while I had an interest in getting to know God, I didn't. They had really, they had drained me with with all the things you had to do and couldn't do. So I moved out my mom's house. I had my first child at 15 and I moved out at 16 because although they, my mom had these religious perspectives, she still lived a very crazy, toxic life. Her husband was extremely abusive. He was abusive towards me. Um, not sexually, but extremely physically abuse, abusive towards me. And so I wound up leaving my mom's house at 16 um, after having my daughter. Um, and I never knew of God's love. Out of all the churches I had been to, out of all the teachings that I had learned, um, I could tell you Moses, the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments and the plagues and things of that but I cannot tell you I could I would not have been able to tell you then um instances or examples of God love I've never experienced it and so um in 2015 when um I right before I had my episode of trying to kill myself I was in the shower and I would be singing because I love gospel music. I have my moments where I would listen to certain things. But in 2015, I was in the shower and I was singing, Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit. Give me the words that will bring you life. Words on the wings of the morning. The dark nights will fade away if you speak to my heart. Um, I will be singing that song and God will begin speaking to my heart and the when God began to speak to me he spoke to me instructions and I don't even know how I recognized that it was his voice but I knew that it was his voice and he told me to leave the relationship that I was in now guys mind you I have been known with my kid's father since I was 12 years old we started dating when I was 17 at this point I am 30 so we have been dating for about 13 years. We have been together for 13 years. We have four children. Well, my oldest daughter isn't biologically his, but he's been in her life for forever. And to this day, she's 19. She still calls him dad. That's her dad. Um, although she knows her biological father, she, I, her, um, my kid's father is her dad. We have four children. So... God telling me to walk away. It's been 13 years. Uh, how? How? But I never asked him how, if I'm honest. I didn't, when he said walk away, I didn't say, God, how? I, I said, okay. I get out the shower. I would go back to my everyday life. I like to call it back to business as usual. Cooking, cleaning, work, all of those great things. And... I never left. I would get back in the shower the next day, maybe even later that night. Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, message of love to encourage me. Lifting my heart from the snares, how you love me and care for me, Lord. Speak to my heart, right? And he would speak and he said, leave the relationship. And I'm telling you, 
This went on for weeks, y'all, in the shower. Speak to my heart, Lord. Give me your holy word. If I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. But I won't go on. I'll never go on my own. Just as your spirit guide and let your word abide. Speak to my heart, Lord. So, in the shower singing, and every time I'm singing this song, and this is literally for a few weeks, I'm singing, singing, singing this song. God is saying over and over again, walk away from the relationship. He did not ever, ever, ever once say to me, walk away from the relationship. It is sin. You are shacking. You are fornicating. It is unholy. Walk away. No, he said, walk away from this relationship. You are hindering the work that I'm trying to do in him. Walk away. I remember one time, I said, okay, God, because it kept getting stronger and stronger. I said, okay, God, okay, God, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do this thing. I get out the shower. I go in the kitchen. He comes downstairs. And this day, he's like extra sweet. He comes, I'm at the stove, he kisses me, and he's like, um, good morning, babe. He like, I'm about to go do this, this, that, and the third. You know, I'll be back. And he walks out the door. And I literally fall down to the ground in my kitchen. And I cry, and I say, God, how am I going to walk away? Like, like today, I can't do it today. He's really, really nice today. He's really, really sweet. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it today. And I, I, I battled it. The funny thing about this is that God really didn't speak to me when I was walking around in my everyday life. It was only when I would get in that shower, I would be singing, and he would be speaking. And like I said before, I don't even recognize, I don't even know how I recognize that it was his voice talking to me. But I did. Weeks pass. I don't leave the relationship. God is telling me to leave the relationship every time in the shower. It's consistent, consistent, consistently his voice every time I get in the shower. It was like I left God in the shower. Left He, he only met me there. I would leave him in the shower. I would get out and go back to business as usual. But this one particular evening, I can't even say anything happened. I just was tired. I just was done. I took a bottle of pills. I threw all the pills in my mouth. I thought it looked just like as easy as it do on TV and stuff. Like just throw the, the whole bottle of pills back, swallow and, uh, 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 you know. <laughs> nah, bruh. It don't look like that. So I throw the pills in my mouth. The pill starts melting in my mouth. There's like a residue all over my mouth. I can't swallow the pills because they are, because I got cotton mouth now. My mouth is like so dry and just full of stuff. Um, a couple pills go down. It's making my stomach hurt because of what's in my mouth. Um, I hate to take pills, swallowing them going down, and I'm crying hysterically. So I start throwing up. 
not because I'm OD'd on pills. I'm throwing up because of the crying, the dry mouth, and the couple pills that went down, and the couple pills that still stuck in my throat that can't really go down or can't really bring up. It was just a mess, okay? It was a it was a mess. And so I go outside and I'm crying hysterically because my boys were at my mom's house this day. Only people was there was my daughter who was 15 at the time and my baby was one and my kid's father. And so I'm outside and then I come in the house and I just fall to the floor in my dining room and I'm crying and he comes in there and my daughter comes in there. It's just like this big mess of a scene and she's crying, mom, what's wrong with that? And I'm looking at her and if I'm honest with you guys, which I promise to be, I'm looking at her like, nigga, you the reason why I want to kill myself. You part of the reason. During this point in my life, my daughter was getting out of control. I had got her a cell phone. And for her to be, you know, communicating with her friends. But I get the phone and I'm seeing all type of crazy text messages between her and boys. So now you're stripped from my phone. But now every time I turn around, her friends are giving her phones at school. She's stealing phones. It doesn't matter. She is getting phones. She's connected to Wi-Fi's and just like all kind of crazy stuff. It never stopped. I'm taking phones. Then she got to the point where she's fighting me. Like I'm going to take a phone from her and she's like pushing back, bucking up against me, really tussling with me for a phone. Like, like we're to the point where I'm having to put hands on her. Like, hands that I never wanted to put on my child. I'm putting hands on her. And then she's climbing out windows, meeting with boys on the side of the house or near my van. And it was just, like, overwhelming. And I'm going to be honest, I did not know how to be a mother. So it was stressful to me because I'm trying to control her. I'm losing ground. I'm losing control. Beating her up ain't working. Putting her on punishment ain't working. Taking the phones ain't working. Nothing that I'm doing is working. It's not working. I'm tired of you. I'm ready to die. Honestly, kill me or kill you. Which one? This was where I was at. And I figured killing me was the best solution because she wasn't the only problem. I couldn't stand my kid's father. I hadn't been happy in that relationship, most of the relationship. But I had an obligation to him. I felt I had to be loyal to him. That's how I was raised. Not by my parents, but by the street. I met my kid's father. He was my my cousin's right-hand man. These was niggas that was out here in these streets, y'all. I liked him. There was something about him. He was so different. He wasn't the loud mouth. He wasn't like flashy, selling drugs like every... Nah. He was the chill one. He was quiet. He was reserved. Every female liked him. He did not like me. He used to always say to me, man, I can't mess with you like that, Denise. You like my sister. You like my sister. I, I would hate to re- I would hate to ruin our friendship. Us starting a date would ruin our friendship. Like yo, I can't I can't bang with you like that. I was persistent, persistent man. Bagged them. Boop, you mind? I was seventeen when we started dating. So it was this thing of like loyalty. I had discovered that he had some issues when I was pregnant with our first child. Um, 
I had discovered some some issues. He has uh, a disability. He struggles with reading. It wasn't something that he shared with me. It was something his mom shared with me while I was pregnant with our oldest child. And um, and I said, okay, you know, we'll work through this. So I was the breadwinner. He rarely worked. I worked. I made all of the money. Paid all of the bills. Um, he, because of his... Um, struggle with reading he never really wanted to go out and do anything so it was like constantly um me hanging with my friends we did not have a real uh fun intimate life with one another we rarely went out to eat because he was always afraid that he would find himself in a situation where he would have to read something and his weakness would be exposed so his weakness crippled him funny I'm gonna tell a little bit of his testimony his real name is Sudiata and if you know anything about Sudiata 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 was um like a general and he was crippled literally crippled and um but he didn't allow his cripplization <laughs> is that a word okay maybe so maybe not I don't know but he did not allow his disability to control him he became a king he became a king um fighting through his obstacles fighting through his disabilities he became a king my kid's father allowed his um inability to to fully be able to read and understand what he's reading um to to disable him and so it impacted our relationship for the whole 13 years um i wasn't happy i, I I creeped out I did me because I I wanted to have some fun and he wasn't he wasn't trying to do that he was too scared we really didn't even go to family get togethers together he didn't want to do any of that stuff and at the same time I had gained a lot of weight after our first child so I started feeling like he didn't want to go places with me or do things with me because I was fat he thought I was ugly um him not wanting to go and do things with me turned into because of me I never really looked at it because of his insecurities it fed my insecurities so our relationship became very toxic we were fighting all the time I was the aggressor I was fighting him all the time he would try to run and try to leave most of the time I would throw chairs I would oh my god y'all y'all ain't ready for this <laughs> y'all stabbed him. I threw liquor on him and told him I was going to set him on fire. Ah. I was crazy. I was crazy. But at this point in 2015 with the pills, I'm not happy with him anyway. I used to say, you know, God, my life is good. But except for my relationship and my children. And what I'm talking about was good was because, yeah, I was in the system. I had Section 8, so my rent wasn't really nothing. Um, But I had just became a nurse. I didn't like working at the nursing home, so I started working with medically fragile children. My money was good, 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 good for what? From what I knew, because I was used to making what nine, ten dollars an hour. Now I'm making like twenty. Um, my grandmother, I had lost three very close family members to me, um, 
prior to this situation happening as well. Um, all less than a year. All three less than a year. Months apart. I lost a very close cousin of mine in September. Then turned around and lost my favorite, favorite aunt who was more like a mother to me in December. And then had, that was, that was in 2013. And then lost my grandmother that August of 2014. And so now we're in 2015. My grandmother left me her house, so I had inherited her house. I'm working, making all of this money, and I'm remodeling the house. Got everything gutted out, went and bought flooring, went and bought backsplashes, was looking for cabinets. Um, I had picked out paint, got my colors, um, got the tiles to create my walk-in shower, and just all these things I, I was looking forward to, moving and getting the house remodeled. I had my contractor I hired. I'm paying all of this stuff out of my pocket. I also lived in a single-family house that, because I had Section 8 um, that was that was relatively nice, four bedrooms, really big house. Um, I had I had one van that was paid for, I had a Nissan course, that was paid for, um, a friend of mine had gave me money uh, to pay for when I was in nursing school, and because of who he was and things that was happening with him, I gave him the money back, but I, I was so happy that after I graduated nursing school, I could give him the money back, um, but then I got tired of that van, so I went to the lot and got another van, because I was tired of the Nissan course. So I felt like my life was good. I had these material possessions and other material possessions that I was looking forward to um, gaining um, and, and living out. So everything was good. My life was good. My finances was good. The only thing that was miserable was my children and my relationship with my kid's father. That had me miserable. My home life. Oh, y'all, I worked so much. I was barely at home. Oh, 16-hour shifts was nothing. I was working two jobs and getting OT at both of them. Literally. So my life was miserable. I'm looking at them while they standing over me. My daughter crying, saying, Mommy, no, 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 no. Why? Calling my mom, crying and acting crazy. My kid's father standing over me like, you're disgusting. You, so you're gonna kill yourself? So you're gonna kill yourself? You're weak. You weak. You, you acting like a white girl. Get up. Get up. Why is you why is you acting like that? I'm like looking at both of them and I'm just like, take me now, Lord. <laughs> but God spoke to me in that instance. This is the first time that I recognized his voice outside of the shower. He spoke to me in that instant. He said, you tired? I said, I'm tired, God. I'm tired. I am done. I cannot do this anymore. He said, good. Now, I can live through you. What? Yeah. He said, good. Now I can live through you. That was the first time that the voice of God actually made like sense sense to me. 
And he said something that I never thought God would even say. I'm trying to kill myself. You said good. Now I can live through this. This is the thing. God is an amazing God. He's not going to force himself up on you. He needs you to give him a yes. He will allow you to reap the consequences of your everyday actions. That he will do. He will remove his hand of grace off of your life and allow you to make the decisions that you want to make and experience the consequences of your decisions. And then in the midst of you experiencing the consequences of your life, he will swoop in to save the day. He says, listen, you're at the end of your rope. Let go of your rope. Grab mine. He said, I'm good. Because you need to die so that I can live. I never, in my whole, suicide is a sin and it's just like, oh, I mean, just all of this, this mumble jumble garbage that, that is beaten into us with religion. It had me so far removed from God. So far removed from, that I really didn't even think that he would even hear a sinner like me broken. And the crazy part is that, yeah, sometimes I would cry and cry out to God because that's what I was taught. But it wasn't really me crying out to God. And in the sense, and in the instance at that time when I was crying, I was not praying. I was done. There wasn't nothing. I wasn't saying, God, come rescue me. God, come save me. I said, I want to die. At least that's not what my mouth or my mind was saying. But my heart was crying out. And he heard my heart. He heard my cries. He saw my brokenness. And he said, here I come. I'm coming to save you. Oh, oh. I'm sorry, y'all. That's what song came to my head. But, um, he heard my cries. And he came. He came. And he said, good. And I sat right to him in my room. And if I'm not mistaken, that night I slept. Built an build a altar where we meet God. Altar is heavenly places. I'm gonna end it right there, y'all. And I will be back tomorrow to pick up where we left off and show you how things begin to change. Because it did. He didn't leave me on the floor. He actually picked me back up. And we begin journaling. So, if you're going through a situation right now where you are feeling like it's over, you're suicidal, that may be exactly where God wants you to be. Begin to cry out. Begin to cry out. He said the Israelites cried out, cried out, and he heard their cries. And he drew closer to them. And he began preparing a way for them. The Israelites cried out for about 400 years. And God had to raise up Moses. He raised up Moses. So while you're crying out, he has a plan. 
is putting a plan together for you. And when the plan presents, all you're going to have to do is walk in it. The Israelites just had to walk out when it was time. They got their shoes on and they was ready so that when God said, okay, y'all, let's go, we're leaving Egypt. They were able to walk out and walk into something new that wasn't going to be easy. But at least they were walking out of the thing that had been oppressing them. So if you're down there on the floor right now and you hear this podcast, cry out. It's okay to be where you are. You won't be there forever. God is preparing you. So this is Flipping Faith with you guys, real, raw, and transparent. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. Look forward to the next podcast tomorrow morning. I love you guys. Until next time. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am excited to be back here with you guys. As I start off this morning, God began to just minister some things to me. Um, This is my very first time doing a podcast. I wasn't 100% sure of how it was going to look. And each morning, he is adding something new and shifting and changing my perception and my perspective of what this podcast is supposed to look like. I will keep it a buck with you guys. When I first started out trying to create the trailer, and even when I created my first episode, I did a million takes. A million takes. Oh, I don't like the way I stumbled over this word. Oh, I don't like the way I stumbled over that word. And something happened last night. Last night, I tuned into the Monica and Brandy versus battle. And when I turned and tuned into the Monica and Brandy vs. Battle, Monica said something about a lot of her songs being one and down. That's, that's just what it is. And Brandy was talking about um, her recording over and over so many times to get that perfect sound. And one of the things that God reminded me of was this podcast. When I was watching Brandy and Monica last night, I was able to see some extremely, extremely strong telltale signs of insecurities. Um, She was very jealous, very envious of Monica. It was very evident. She consistently compared herself. She was consistently trying to show off her vocals. She was always, you know, like trying to sing with the track. And when the track was over, you know, adding the extra stuff. And it was like trying to prove to people that she was talented, that that she was worth something, that she was good. And I understand that. I do. I totally understand having those insecurities, especially being in the industry for so long. She was in the industry for a very, very long time. And a lot of times she was compared to Monica. And a lot of people say that Monica sings better than her or Monica is prettier than her. Monica has the better hits. And I'll be honest, I'm one of those people. I listen to Brandy's voice 
I'm a singer. I sing. I listen to Brandy's voice, and Brandy's voice is absolutely phenomenal. But there's something about Monica's style. There's something about Monica's voice. It's absolutely amazing. Um, there's something about her style, the music she sings, the way that she sings her songs that really gains popularity. People love Monica. I am one of those people who love Monica, but I don't get rid of Brandy either. I think that Brandy is amazing in her own rights. But what the media has done to her, listening to what people have to say about her, especially as it relates to being compared to Monica, Brandy has a strong insecurity. Now, she knows that she can sing. She knows that. So the other aspects of her insecurities uh, make her have an arrogance that is birthed from insecurities so she continuously continuously and continuously compared herself to monica there was even one point in the um versus battle where she wanted to do like a a, a freestyle of it's been a long a long time coming and i know a change gonna come right and she starts singing it but she's asking Monica to join in, but she's adding all of these extra rips and things to it to where if Monica even wanted to join in with her, she couldn't. She couldn't join in. There was no way that she could join in, but then would say, why you, yeah, girl, you know you could have joined in with me. You know, those are things that are done um, out of insecurities, but the arrogance wants to showcase um, her talent, like I got it, so p other people can see or know that she's talented, um, while at the same time trying to protect uh, um, herself. It, it, it was a very, very real battle, and it bothered me so bad. It hurt it. It hurt it. And so God began to show me about me. It began to show me me when it comes to trying to create these podcasts. The one thing God said to me, he said, this is months before I started doing these podcasts. God said to me, I don't want you to make it look easy and I don't want it to be perfect. I want it to be real. I want it to be real. And I'll share with you where that even came from. As I'm sitting here, God just dropped in my spirit why he said that to me. I was in Florida. Um, this was at the beginning of this year, beginning of 2020. And when God uh, gave me some instructions and then he began to send me home and I felt like the instructions was not complete. The task was not complete. And God was sending me home. And I said, God, I don't understand this thing. Nothing that you have been telling me to do has come to fruition. You tell me to go do this. I go all the way through all the way through and then it falls apart it doesn't it doesn't manifest this instruction for this particular time he said go to florida do not leave without sean so i say okay i am there i am in florida i am in pain in florida because he actually has me living out of my car at this point i'm living out of my car for two months now this is crazy, y'all. I'm living out of my car for two months. The instruction that I got when God sent me down there, he said, go and do not leave without Sean. So I say, okay. 
at some point, Sean even texted me, and I wasn't talking to Sean. I wasn't talking, especially not on a regular basis. Once in a while, he would text me because he was going through something or whatever the case may be. So, you know, but one night he had texted me. He had said, um, God is telling me to leave. Um, but I'm struggling and I didn't even tell him that I was down there for him that I had that God told me that he got to leave out of there with me I didn't tell him that I just had to be allow God to do what he was doing to him and I had to be on my side waiting and ready for when the opportunity presents itself that I would be available to get him out of the circumstances that he was in and so he he texted me and he said you know God is telling me that I, I have to leave here but I can't like I, I, I can't do it and I said why can't you do it so now I'm like really excited okay God I'm not crazy you are telling me not to leave without trying I, I am picking him up and taking him somewhere and so he says, but I just can't do it. And I said, why? What's holding you back? He says, I'm going to call you shortly. So he stopped texting and I'm worshiping and I'm praying. And I'm like, God, I can't believe this. Okay, it's about to happen. This is days of me being down there. I think I was down here, down in Florida for about a couple days at this point when I received this message from him. And he said, um, he called me. And he said, you know, I know that God is saying that I have to leave here. He said, but but I can't do it. And I said, why can't you do it? Why can't you do it, Sean? Why, why can't you leave here? And he says, um, I, I got some things here that, I, that I'm not just going to let go. I said, like, what? He says, my dogs, my grandfather's truck, my business. I, I just can't. I, I can't let it go. And I say... Um, you know, Sean, okay, boom, you could take the dogs with you, you know, if you need to take the, you could bring the dogs back with you. Um, the grandfather's truck, he had been in an accident with the truck. The truck wasn't drivable. It was, um, in a shop or whatnot. It wasn't even getting fixed. It, it just, and the truck, it, the, it was over for the truck. And, um, I started sitting there and I'm like, oh, glory to God. I'm sorry, y'all. Even as I'm, I'm on this podcast, I didn't know what I was going to be talking about today. And God just dropped it in my spirit and I'm excited. Okay. Okay, y'all. Let me finish the story. So he says, you know, my grandfather truck and the truck was, it was over for the truck. It was, it was really over for the truck. And he said, I, I just, I said, listen, I said, listen, Sean. And he said, he said, God is telling me to leave everything and just just go leave everything I said Sean I promise what God has for you on the other side is so much greater than the things that you are trying to hold on to you have to let those things go you have to let those things go and just move just move it's not going to be easy I understand, I understand, I understand. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to let them go and and come on. Let's journey, you know, let's journey. And so he said, oh, you know, I'm going to call you back. I promise y'all. That first couple days turned into two months of me being forward. He will have his moments where something will happen. He will have a breakdown and be like, okay, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. And then would just not come, would not meet up with me, or would stop answering my phone calls or um, something of that nature. 
And as I was sitting here talking to you guys, God began to drop in my spirit something that happened in scripture, honestly. The rich young ruler, and I don't have my Bible open and I'm not about to go grab it. I'm going to give it to you the best way that I can from my memory. But the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, you know, um, I believe he's the one who said, good teacher, good teacher, good teacher. I believe he's the one that said good teacher. And he says, why do you call me good? No man is good but God. Okay, that's a whole nother teaching, y'all. See, I, I get sidetracked. That's a whole nother teaching. But he says, um, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus began giving him all of the things that um, the Jews knew, you know, about behaving this way behaving that way your actions right your actions and you know about following the commandments and things of that nature and he said oh okay good I got that I do that you know I I got that he says okay you got that he says the next thing is to sell everything you have follow me sell everything you have and he turned and he walked away with his head held down. And I'm going to tell you one of the most amazing things about that story in scripture is that it doesn't say that he did not go back, sell everything, and then begin to follow Jesus. It never says if he became one of Jesus' followers or not. All it says is that he walked away with his head hung down. Now this is where we dive into my story. <laughs> After sitting on that floor, after sitting on that floor and crying, vomiting, choking, ready to die, God speaking to me and saying, good, now I can live through you. My life literally did begin to change. My life literally began to change. I begin hearing the voice of God on a regular basis now. At that point, it was no longer me getting in the shower to hear the voice of God. It began to be on a regular basis. It was He was literally walking with me. And one of the biggest questions that I get asked uh, when it comes to me doing faith care sessions, um, especially like one-on-one sessions, and a lot of times I don't even recognize that I'm doing one-on-one sessions. I could be at a party and someone will be drawn to me and we'll sit and have conversations. And here we go. I'm on a one-on-one faith care session with someone. But the question that I'm always asked is, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of God? How do you know that he's talking to you? And I can tell you guys that is a very difficult but easy question to answer. When I was in the shower, I just knew that it was God. I don't know how I knew that it was God. And it was every time I got into the shower, he said the same thing over and over and over again. He continuously spoke to my spirit. But there's also there's also a scripture that says, um, my sheep, they know my voice and another they will not follow. God took me on a journey 
of really knowing his voice that I could know that I know that I knew because there was going to be instances and times that God was going to speak to me and he needed me to be obedient to his instructions and he wanted to get me to a place of training he had to train me to get to a place that when I heard his voice I could just be obedient Okay, And so there's two things that I want to share that God did with me and the way and and, and in my testimonies and in me sharing, let me just say this is my testimony is to say that God will do it, not specifically the way that he does it for me. He's going to do it for you, but he's going to do it for you, period. Okay. And so, um, and before I go deeper, I just want to, I've listened to my pastor say, I listened to Pastor Teray Roberts online at, um, Potter's House of One LA in Denver. Um, Pastor Teray Roberts said, he said, the what of God never change, the how of God always does. And that's the truth. And we'll get into that, um, dive deeper into that as we continue with the podcasts, but, um, there's two things that really uh, stand out to me that I remember God doing, and, and there was many things that he did to uh, train me to understand when he was speaking to me and that it was his voice for me to get to know his voice. One of the things was I was at the grocery store. I'm shopping. We have a Tops Friendly Markets here, and, you know, I'm grocery shopping. And when I get done, I bring the cart out and loading everything up in my car. And God says to me, put the shopping cart back. I never put the shopping carts back. What? He says, put the shopping cart back. I'm like thinking I'm tripping. I'm talking to myself, whatever. I don't know. But I got in my car and I pulled off. And I pulled off and I'm just a driving, driving, driving. And then I go to reach to grab my purse. And my purse is not in my car. And God says, it's in the shopping cart. And I say, what? So I have to turn around, drive all the way back to Tops. I pull right back into the same parking spot that I was in. The shopping cart is in in the same exact location that I had left it. And my purse was in the shopping cart. God spoke again. He said, had you been obedient, had you put the shopping cart back, you would have had your purse. God left the shopping cart there. He did not allow anyone to touch it. And during that time, I was carrying big purses, y'all. Big bags. My bags used to hold my little, uh, everything. Anything you could think of. I could put a laptop computer up in that bad boy. I carry big purses. And so, I'm talking about big purses. I used to carry so much in my purses that I'm telling you my straps would break. (laughs) I used to carry big purses, y'all. And so, um, I, I can't believe that no one took the purse, uh, like any of that. The shopping cart had to been moved. So I took my purse out, set it in the car, put the shopping cart back, and um, got in my car and left. And God began to minister to me about hearing his voice, that I'm in training season. And so another situation that happened with me probably was days later, maybe even a week. I'm driving. I used to never wear my seatbelt. I used to never wear a seatbelt. I never used to have my children wear seatbelts. We just, eh, eh, I don't know. I just didn't. And so he said, put your seatbelt on. Oh my God. Dismissing the voice again. Dismissing the voice again. I'm driving. He says, put your seatbelt on. I say, I'm right around the corner. I ain't got to put my seatbelt on. 
I literally turned the corner. There is a police checkpoint right there. Right there. I go and like try to slither my seatbelt a little bit. The officers noticed that I did it. I talked to them. They did not give me a ticket. They did not give me a ticket. They allowed me to go. And God said, you have to learn to be obedient to my voice. It was a training season. So I went through training seasons with knowing... Um, hearing the voice of God, knowing that it was his voice so that I could be obedient to his voice. That was one of the very first things that I went through. And so many more things happened where he would say, "Not don't turn on your GPS. I'm going to direct you how to get to certain locations. And I would bump into people or I would see things or different things would happen because I was obedient to when he gave me instructions. And things also happened due to me not being obedient to his voice um, just for him to show me that he was God. So I went through a training season. So... Mind you guys, um, God had gave me an instruction in the shower to leave my relationship. I did not want to leave the relationship. I had been in the relationship for 13 years. It was a place of comfort for me. Plus, I had four kids. What am I going to do? All of these insecurities as to why I did not want to leave. It was me, insecurities, and then this feeling of having to be loyal to someone because we had been friends since since me being 12 years old. So this this need for loyalty and attachment, um, and then also my own insecurities about my weight gain and who's going to want me and, and four kids and just what that was going to, and I can't do raise four kids by myself and, you know, all of those things. But as days began to go on, um, God was teaching me to hear his voice and to learn his voice. But he he never stopped saying, you have to leave the relationship. That remained. That remained. And so I, I broke up with my kid's father. I eventually did it. It was one of the hardest things ever. He had a very, very, very difficult time accepting it. Oh, it was ugly, y'all. He had a very, very, very difficult time accepting it. Now, just to give you a little bit of backdrop on him, he has some some issues, so he's never really held down a job. Um, he's had jobs here and there. I was solely like the breadwinner. And even when he had jobs and he made money, um, he was never re- really responsible for paying bills. I paid the bills. He did what he wanted to do with his money because, one, he did not make much. He, he doesn't have much of an education. Um, he struggles with reading. And so, and I can share these things. He's willing to share these things himself. So I, I, I'm free to share these things with you guys because he talks about it. Um, but um, he struggles with reading. And so he never was able to really gain a job that, that paid much. Now, during our relationship, because I, I knew that I had a great desire to have more and to do more, I used to tell him, listen, I make enough money to, to financially provide for the family. Um... 
You can stay home, keep the kids, but go to school. Go to school, get this reading thing together, get your GED. I had got him into several programs. He, would, he wouldn't even start them. He would start, like, go to the initial meeting, but never would return back. He would never complete the, um, the programs. He had a real insecurity uh, with doing it, so he would never do it. And so he's never held down a job for a very long time where the money that he made wasn't enough to like really help pay the bills. And I was tired of giving him money. So he just kept whatever money that he made and, you know, I did what I did. So his mom had just recently relocated. She had just moved out of our city and had moved about two hours away. Two, two to three hours away. So when I told him that the relationship was over, he got angry and he said, what am I supposed to do now? Where am I supposed to go? You do this to me after my mother leaves? I, I can't even go to my mom. She lives out of um, three hours away and he's not willing to relocate from where we lived at. He was like, I, why would you do this to me? You do not love me. You never loved me. You never gave a fuck about me. All you care about is yourself. I mean, it was just very, 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 very ugly. And I would spend days and nights trying to plead with him, trying to get him to understand the instructions that God had given me that I had to live. It's not something that I wanted to do, but I had to. This was, these was instructions. And mind you, God said to me when he told me to leave the relationship, he didn't say because it was sin. He didn't say because of fornication. He didn't say because of shacking. He didn't say because of any of that. He didn't say you're unequally yoked. He didn't say any of that. He said, you're hindering the work that I'm trying to do in him. God didn't even say to me that he was hindering me. I'm going to tell you the truth. He wasn't hindering me. I was willing to do me regardless of how he felt. And that had always been the case. I go and work and work and work, pick up doubles. When he said he had to do things, I don't care. I have to work. I would get up and go out of town, which it wasn't often. I think I went out of town like twice while he and I was in a relationship. But I'm like, listen, I got the money to do this. I, I need a break. I got to go. If I decided I was going to surrender my life to God, he didn't have a say, so I was going to do it. I was strong in that way. And he wasn't. Because he was insecure about who he was. And I had insecurities too, but I was determined to have more. And I was going to lay a hold of more. So no, he wasn't hindering. He didn't like me going back to school. He struggled every time I went back to school. But he couldn't stop it. I did what I wanted to do. So God didn't say that he's hindering you. He's putting limitations on you. He said, you're putting limitations on him. You're hindering the work that I'm trying to do in him. You have to get away from him. So I spent countless nights, and I'm telling you, there was times that God would say to me, stop trying to explain to him why you have to leave. He's not getting it. He's not going to understand. It's painful for him. And so because he was hurt that I was leaving, he lashed out at me a lot. And because he lashed out at me a lot because of the hurt, he he changed it to anger and he would lash out at me. I was trying to get him to understand because I didn't like seeing him hurting. And God is like, you don't have nothing else to say. 
You don't have to explain anything else. That's it. That's it. I said you have to go. You have to go. He's not going to get it. And there was times that God would literally be telling me to shut up. And I would keep speaking. And my throat would be on fire. Because I cared more about how he felt than what God was saying to me. Because I couldn't understand totally why God was saying I couldn't explain to him. God, I need him to get it. But he couldn't get it. So I did that part. During this time, I had wound up joining this church. Um, I'm not going to share the name of the church, but I will say that I, I, because there's some things that I'm going to share pertaining to the church too as well. But I joined this church and this church, I will say they are, they're a relational church. Um, when I went in, the people were very welcoming. They were very loving. The pastor, it was a non-denominational church. Our pastor was, um, white. We had a very mixed congregation, um, and the people they were they were welcoming they were loving i enjoyed the music uh my kids enjoyed going um to the 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 school like they had the classes for the younger kids and then um for the teens they had like teen nights and stuff and my kids i mean we used to go and stay for two if they had two services we stayed for both services if they had three we stayed for three often my kids would be upset if we left early my kids served at the church. I served at the church. Um, the church had begun having these Bible studies, and I joined two Bible studies. One of them was, oh, this was my favorite study, y'all. I promise this was my favorite. The one study that I did was Beth Moore's Breaking Free. My God, my God, my God. Beth Moore Breaking Free Bible study was everything to me. It was everything. So we would meet on certain evenings and we would go through the Bible study. Uh, we would read those lessons and stuff together and, and we would talk about what we seen and what we learned via the um, the Bible study. And I had joined another one. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this one we were studying, Priscilla shared, I want to say it was... It was one of two. It was either Gideon or it was Jonah. I cannot remember which one we did first. And I'll figure it out. But both of the studies were good. But in the second one where we were doing the Priscilla Shire, um, Priscilla Shire, Priscilla Shire, S-H-I-R-E-R. Um, when we were doing her study, the group of women that I, were, that I was with, they looked more like me. They were younger. Um, they were minorities, so they were African-American and Hispanic. And um, we just clicked. We were around the same age group. We clicked and we clicked very well. Um, the way that we were transparent, talking about our lives, the struggles that we had been through. So we became very, 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 very close. Um, and it, our relationship grew outside of simply the Bible study, but it transitioned into joining each other's, going to each other's house once the Bible studies was over. And I'll give you guys more details on that. But 
as I started doing these Bible studies, um, God began speaking to me more and more and more, and his voice became clearer. And I'm telling you, maybe about, so I surrendered my life to God. It was probably, I want to say, October of 2015. By November, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Because I was still working home care um, as a nurse, medically fragile children. And um, I was the daytime nurse and we had an overnight nurse and he was going on vacation. And he was offering me a lot of hours. He offered me a lot of hours. And um, I said, I'll take them all. I said, I'll take them all. I'll take all the hours. And at that same time, God spoke to me and he said, quit your job. And I said, surely you do not mean right now. Surely you do not mean quit right now. God, Christmas time is coming up. Christmas time is coming up. I'm remodeling my house out of my pocket. I'm in the middle of construction. I'm paying the workers out of my pocket. Um, I'm buying the supplies myself. No loans, y'all. No loans, no grants, no help from nobody. I'm doing this. As well as maintaining my household. I'm the breadwinner. And I have four children. So I worked a lot of hours. And he was giving me a bunch of hours and God says, And I was, he kept saying it to me. And then that, that the one specific day that he meant that day, I said, God, surely you don't mean this day. I was going to work overnight. I was a day, I worked daytime, but I was going to work overnight. I'm in the shower. And I'm like, you don't mean tonight. He said, yes, I mean tonight. You're not going. And I said, nah, 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 And I got in the shower. I was in the shower. I got out the shower. And I got in my car. And I had to drive all the way to Niagara Falls. Because I worked in Niagara Falls. And I'm driving to Niagara Falls. And I don't even know how I made it there. Because I was asleep. Driving. It was nothing but the hand of God that got me to the job. Because I was asleep. And that very next morning, I had an important meeting with my daughter's principal. And so, when... um, I'm at work and the family that I work for, she worked as well. So I did a double this day. I did an overnight and did the day shift and she was supposed to be home and I can't leave if she's, if the mom isn't home and something happened at her job and she was extremely late, um, getting home and it pushed me back to being late. God had also told me to move out of my house. So my house was being packed up. And I had left my kids instructions. They didn't go to school that day. I had left them instructions on what to do while I was at work. So she was extremely late getting home from work. I get in the car. I call the principal. I said, I'm running really, really late, but I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. He said, okay. I get home. Nothing that I had told my kids to do was done. I'm going off on my children. I'm going off on my kids. And God stops me. He says, no, it's not their fault. It's your fault. 
I told you not to go. Had you not went to work last night, this stuff would have been done. Had you not went to work last night, you would not be running late for this meeting. But you are choosing to do it your way. You can't get mad at them. You can't get mad at anyone. It's you and your disobedience. I told you, you were done. He said, actually, you're done with nursing altogether. I had to renew my nursing license around this time. I renew it in November. Um, he said, you're not renewing your nursing license because where I'm taking you, you don't need it. You're done. And here I go, start thinking about money. I said, well, God, what? And I'm used to getting an appointment. Child, I could file an appointment claim, baby. It's going to hit. He said, and you're not, you're not filing for an appointment. And don't think about going down there to get food stamps. He said, you're done. I called my job that day. And I said, I have a lot of things going on in my life right now. And I won't be able to return back. Now, the families I was working for, they knew that it was coming because I told them that I, that I felt like I was going to be um, leaving. I just didn't know when. So they were, the family was fine. The agency that I was working for was fine as well. We actually had somebody that wanted my position. She wanted my spot um, because I had to buy my hours. I worked mornings and the case was amazing. And she would fill in for me while I was pregnant. She wanted to be the regular full-time nurse there, but I wasn't trying to give up my spot. Um, So they were fine with me leaving and I did it. And um, I quit the job that day. I met with the principal and had some plans. Amazing opportunity presented itself when I met with the principal. Um, and I'll share that with you guys next. But I, God called me to give up everything. He called me to give up everything. And I couldn't understand why. I knew that it was because he said he had something greater for me. I did not fully understand why. I was so old. And then he had me give up my car that December. Oh, my God. He told me to take the car back to the dealership and leave it there. That was the one that I had just bought. Remember, mind you, I told you I had two. I had a, a Nissan Quest van. And then I had um, a, a Dodge Grand Caravan. He told me to take the Dodge Grand Caravan back. Take it back. You don't need it. I took it back to the dealership, dropped it right off at the dealership. Them people thought I was crazy. So he had me to give up everything. That was round one. (laughs) As I sit here and just reflect, I mean, I was buying a lifestyle. I wasn't happy. I was buying a lifestyle. Everything was about image. Nothing about my life was like functional. My kids weren't happy. They did they barely saw their mom. I was working so much to afford a lifestyle that I was not building a life. I wasn't building a life for my children and I wasn't building a life for me. I was buying a lifestyle. I wanted things to look my kids dressed a certain kind of way. They had to have a certain kind of shoe on their feet. 
I cared about what people thought about how we looked. And I was trying to, and, and I wasn't even where I wanted to be. I wanted my house to be bad. I wanted us to be like really rocking clothes. Like you rarely saw us wear the same thing twice. I had that happen to me when I was, when I was 16 and I had my daughter at 15. I was probably like 16 at this time. I was still in high school. Um, people used to give me a bunch of clothes, my cousin, especially one of my cousins. She gave me totes and totes full of clothes. And people used to always give me clothes. And I worked a summer youth job and I bought my daughter clothes. And her dad used to buy her sneakers. And I used to take her to daycare. This lady said something to me one time. And I promise, this stuck with me for forever. I took my daughter in there. She said, your daughter be dressed every time she come in here. You make sure your daughter got everything she need. Her socks be clean. Her clothes is clean. She got change of clothes. She said, I've never seen your baby wear the same thing twice. And you only 16 years old. I promise you, when that lady said that to me, she don't even know she had planted a seed in me that was going to be ugly. I bought my kids clothes on top of clothes. Listen, clothes will be dirty. My washing machine, the dryers in the basement, we put them clothes downstairs in, in the dirty clothes and sometimes I go down there and wash them. But I used to go buy my kids clothes. Especially, we was going to, I don't care if we was just going to family house. I would go buy them something to wear. Especially certain family members. Their dad side of the family, he has a sister who I used to cringe if she seen my kids looking any kind of way. I wanted her to think that that my kids was together. I would go buy them something. Uh-uh, they going over such and such house. Uh-uh, I got to go buy them an outfit. I got to go buy them. Literally. I was so busy trying to buy a lifestyle, buy an image instead of building one, that my kids was, my kids was suffering. My daughter's behavior was fighting me over cell phones and stuff like that. It wasn't for no reason. I wasn't, what did I pour into her? I couldn't. I was outside trying to live an image. I'm at work all the time. And then sometimes I need a break. So I will be at work all these hours, but now I need to get away because I'm exhausted and tired from work. And you want me to come home and cook? And, you, and I did, I used to have to cook. Because my kid's father, he didn't cook. He would clean up. He would do that. But he ain't cook. I have to come home and cook and make sure dinner and stuff is done and you know all of this stuff man I was at somebody barn if I did not have to work I was at somebody's bar having some drinks my kids were missing me one of the things that my kids said when they finally found out that I quit my job when it was done we were all in the car together and they said something amongst each other their dad was in the car and they were all talking and they said he said to them, he turned in, he was like, y'all happy now? And I'm looking like, what? It was like, yeah, now we get to spend more time with mommy. I didn't know that there was a conversation going on in my house about my kids feeling that I work too much and that they don't get to spend time with me. Because I'm working so much to buy a lifestyle that I don't have time to spend with my kids. And when, listen, if I had downtime and I wasn't at the bar, I had downtime, I'm on the couch and I'm asleep. And they want to come talk to me. And I'm like, not right now, y'all. I'm tired. Not right now, y'all. I'm tired. And don't get it twisted because I love my babies. And I would see that I needed to do things with them. So I would go work more hours so I could take them on a trip. 
And now we're on vacation, and guess what? They're in the pools and they're playing, and I will play just a little bit, but I'm like, listen, I'm about to go lay on the lounge chairs. I'm tired. Or y'all can go down by yourself. Mommy gonna lay down. Y'all go have fun. And it was like, we don't want, we want you. We want you. You want to buy a lifestyle. You want it to appear to be this. You want it to appear to be that. And we want you. Sell your positions. Possessions. Look at me. See, listen, there, there go that right there. If I would have said that, I would have been... I would have deleted this whole podcast and would have started from the beginning, y'all. I would have been mad sitting up here. Got to start all the way from the beginning because I said, sell your positions. <laughs> I thank God for that Monica and Brady battle last night. Taught me a thing or two. He said, sell your possessions and follow me. I'm going to show you how to build a life. You don't have to buy one. I'm going to show you how to build a life. Not only for you, but for your children and your children's children. Sell it. Get rid of it. So I quit the job. I left the house. I left the relationship. I gave up the car. Yeah. And I thought it was about to get good, y'all. I was like, yeah, the Lord about to pull me into this, and he about to give me this, and he about to bless me with this. Hallelujah. Shit. I had another thing coming. But that's for the next podcast. I love you guys bunches. Listen, if God is telling you to release something, give up something, baby, I'm telling you the best thing to do is to let it go. Let it go. Sincerely. All right. So y'all have yourselves a blessed day. And um, look forward to talking with me tomorrow. See you guys soon. Bye-bye. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Flippin' Faith back with you guys again. I'm excited to be here. This morning is a little bit different. Mm. I was out last night. I was drinking and partying with my family for the first time in years. Do you guys hear me? For the first time in years. And the interesting thing about me being out and partying with my family, especially the, the, the set of family that I was partying with last night, is that I used to be really, really close to them. And this is the family that I'm going to talk about today. So yesterday when we were talking, um, I was giving you guys a timeline. And the timeline is very important for you guys to know. um, Because when I'm telling this story, there are things that God wants me to share at specific times. And it's related to the timeline. And I need to be able to take you guys back sometimes. So I'm going to remind you of the timeline. And about November of 2015 is when I walked away from my job and all of that great stuff. Um, At the end of December, January of 2015, I moved out of my house that I was living in, the house that I was renting. And um, I wanted to move into my house that I owned, but 
I could and it wasn't ready. So I had to stay with a cousin of mine's um, who lived in a house that one of my aunts owned. She wasn't really living there. She was like staying at friend's house and stuff um, outside of the city often. So she allowed me to stay in her space, me, my kids, and my sister. She was still paying the rent there. And um, she just allowed me to stay. At some point um, in February, she decided that she was going to give up the apartment and that I could take over. I had the conversation with my aunt about me taking over the apartment. My aunt, um, when I went outside to talk to her about it, the rent was $500. My aunt said to me, um, "You, I don't know how you're going to pay the rent. I really don't trust um, allowing you to take over the apartment. Um, how are you going to pay the rent? Oh, excuse me, y'all. How are you going to pay the rent? I said, Auntie, I don't have all of the ins and outs, even how long I'm going to be here, but I have my taxes. I was getting taxes back. I have taxes that I'm getting back, um, and I know that I'll do rent from, from that. Um, so this is February of 2016. She says, well, you have, I have four children with me. She said, you have four kids. So the rent is going to have to go up $25. I said, okay, $525. She then calls me and she says, oh, I forgot that your sister is also living with you. The rent is going to go up to $550. I say, okay. Now, you guys, it hurt it. Um, it hurt it that she wanted to go up on the rent. Um, knowing everything that happened, that God had told me to leave my job and everything and that I needed to stay here and I didn't have an income. But see, they did not believe me. They did not believe me that God said for me to quit my job. And they said, you know, God wouldn't tell you to do these things if, um, you got kids. He would never have you to be homeless. He wouldn't tell you not to work. And you have kids. You have to be able to take care of your kids. They wanted me to go back to work. They wanted me to just... They couldn't understand what God was doing with me. And because they couldn't understand, they were um, trying to put me in situations that would force me to do what they wanted me to do. So, I say, okay, I'll pay the rent. Um... Days begin to pass. We're getting close to March. And she calls me and says, when will you be out? And I say, be out? I, I thought I was staying and I was just going to give you the rent. And she was like, no. When we discussed this, I thought you said you were leaving. And I said, I never said that. I said, I, I'm going to pay you the rent. I said, okay. And she said, well, I, I really don't want you to stay here. So she had to just be straight up blunt. I really don't want you to stay here. And I said, okay. I said, okay. So now I'm crying to God, like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? During the same time, I'm having issues with my mother where I'm talking to her about the things that God is showing me. I'm like really on fire and excited. And I'm, my mom is a woman of faith. Well, so I thought, but she's a religious woman. So I thought that once I surrendered my life to God, that my relationship with my mother was going to get better. My mother thought I was absolutely crazy. My mother called me delusional 
Um, God has shown me billions and billions of dollars and he showed it to me via the Powerball. And it was like so, 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 so strong the way God showed it to me. So I just knew I was going to hit the Powerball. And, you know, I shared with my mom everything. And my mom took everything that I shared with her and she called me delusional. And I'll never forget that when my mom called me delusional, it messed me up so bad. I remember not bathing for about two days, um, just sitting on a couch, unable to do anything, like in a ball, crying, not just, just really messed up. And then God spoke to me one day and he said, get up and go get in the bathtub. And when I got up and went and got in the bathtub, he began to re um, restore everything that he had spoke to me. He reminded me everything that he said to me. And that he's not a man that he should lie and they don't get it and it's okay just keep walking and so um i it was getting close to the time that i had to leave i didn't know where i was gonna go i'm really starting to think that i'm delusional i'm thinking i'm crazy and god comes to me in the middle of the night and he says long staying hotels that's what he said he said long staying hotels so when he said long staying hotels i started googling it i never knew about long staying hotels what this mean a hotel popped up it was an extended stay it was called stay bridge suites god had me to put in like 30 days or something like that um 60 days i forget how many days but it was a long time it was over a month god had me put that in when i put it in the price was like crazy it was really crazy. I was like, oh, I can't afford this. So um, I took it out and I put just like a weekend. And then um, I called them to see if I could check in that same day. And then I told them, I said, why would I put in for like 45 days? The price was way cheaper than when I put in for seven days. You know, I was getting it for like $64 a night. And then it changed to like $90 a night when I put in for like the seven days and they said because if you book for more than 30 days then you get a discount and she said but if you book it for the seven days even if you extend it and wind up staying over the 30 days you will not get a refund it won't you know prorate you or anything it's best to book 30 days or more and um if you leave then you know do it that way so I said, okay, well, if I book for the 30 days, will you charge me for the whole 30 days up front? She said, no, if you book for the 30 days, it'll be, it'll be separated into weeks. So you'll pay, um, weekly. So I said, okay, book me for the 30 days. And I said, can we check in now? The heat had, my cousin had got the heat turned off at her house. So now we didn't have any heat. She had moved her furniture out. We were sleeping on the floor in her house. We didn't move any of my stuff in yet. Um, and it was cold and we had blankets and it was just not the best situation for me and my children. So I said, well, can we move it? Can we come in now? And she said, yes, your room is available. You can come in now. So we got a one bedroom suite, which I didn't even know existed. I didn't know about any of these things because I didn't live, you know, staying at hotels and stuff like that. I just knew about, you know, um, the studio suites. So I had a one bedroom suite. We go, we go check in, um, that morning we were paying $6.29 a week for the hotel 
And so um, we're paying $6.29 a week for the hotel. It was so comfortable. My kids were so happy. The hotel that we stand in provided dinner um, four nights out of the week. It had a movie um, theater area in the downstairs. It had free laundry. It had a pool and a hot tub. They had, um, during the dinner nights, there was also wine and beer that was served. And we had free breakfast every morning. And then we had our kitchen and we were able to go grocery shopping. And I was able to cook as well, especially if they didn't want what was being served. And, you know, I like to cook. And on days that they didn't serve um, dinner, I cooked. It was amazing. It was amazing staying there. The only thing that was challenging about staying there was that I didn't always know where the money was going to come from to pay for the rent. I had enough to pay for like two weeks. I didn't always know. And I remember paying for the first week. And, um... God telling me to have my sister pay for the second week, but do not take my card off file. She went and she paid for the second week. The third week, neither one of us had the money. And we were scared to ask each other who paid. Because they never called to put us out. And we like, what just happened? And when I check my checking account, I never see any money going into my account. But I seen the money come out of my account to pay for the hotel. And my account was a negative. I actually had like 30-something dollars after it came out. And I said, how? What is going on here? And the fourth week, they let us stay for the half a week free. This podcast is going to be also one that's short because God is telling me to stop right here. That family, my aunt and her kids, we used to be very, 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 very close. And there's more things that happen, and I'm going to share more about other things that happen with my family um, tomorrow. But there were things that happened with my family that was very, very painful. But this is what God is telling me to share with you guys. And yesterday, for the first time, we actually reconciled um, and were able to hang out together literally last night. Um, God is saying to me right now that you can't seek human approval for the secret places between you and God. They don't know. Humans don't know. There is secrets between you and God that is just between you and God. And if you look for human understanding or human wisdom pertaining to the secret places between you and God, you will lose yourself. If God said it, he's not a man that he shall lie. If he said it, surely it will come to pass. Trust that. Do not go Saying, do you believe God will really tell me this? Or God will really tell me that? That's where we mess up. Because we're seeking human wisdom for secret places that are simply between you and God. If I was to stop 
at what my aunt said and my cousins and my mother, I would not be who I am today. I have the wisdom that I have today. I have the strength that I have today. I am the mom that I am today. I'm not even married yet, but I'm a wife. I'm a wife. And I'm a wife because of what God took me through. What he, he took me through. And nobody will understand it. That God called me into some of these places. They don't believe that God told me to quit my job. I wasn't going back to nurse. They don't believe that God told me to move out of my apartment. They don't believe these things. But this is what God spoke to me because it was personal about my life. And what he was trying to get to and through me. So we can't seek humans understanding pertaining to the secret things. The secret places. The places that are just between you and God, you have to trust them. You're going to have to learn to trust God, regardless of what people think and regardless of what people say. I love you guys. That's it for today. I will be back tomorrow to share a little bit more details with you. I love you guys. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.